Welcome to Oops! All Monsters, the deadly, unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me when he's not crawling into the ear of Commander Sulu is Gavin. And this weirdo with me who is hanging ten is Hess. I don't get that, but okay. You don't know what Um, hang ten means? I mean, I know it's to be tubular while you're surfing. Yeah, but, it means um, all ten toes are hanging off of the sor- surfboard. Like, uh, okay, all right. Hang all ten. Right. I hope that doesn't mean I'm going to get eaten by a giant octopus monster this episode, but I guess we'll huh. find out. Close. We are here to, as we always are, delight and identify you with tales of mysterious monsters from... Mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop, unknown to the other presenter, and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers at home. Quick reminder, check the Instagram. It is at OopsAllMonsters on Instagram, at OopsAllMonsters, just like you think it would be. Yeah. So... Uh, today is an episode for Gavin, one of Gavin's topics, so I'm going to hit us with a vocab. Villainous vocabulary. Villainous vocabulary. Actually, this one's going to be, um, I'm going to take a strike at pronouncing this. Um, lacacism, or lacacism, uh, L-A-C-H-E-S-I-S-M. L-A-C-H-E-S-I-S-M. Lacacism. Oh, my. Assuming that's a... It's the desire to be struck by a disaster to survive <laughs> a plane crash or to lose everything in a fire. The, the desire to be struck by oh. a disaster. Lacacism. This looks like a new word. Is this new? I don't know. I mean, I have this one weird <laughs> list that might just be some guy from Yale trolling all of us. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> This could be one of those weird Uros Burroughs things where somebody stuck it on the internet and then a bunch of other people found it on the internet yeah, and posted yeah, about yeah. it, so it's suddenly a thing. But here's the thing, kids. Um, all words are made up. So <laughs> um, literally, if you want to make something a word, just start saying it, and when enough people yeah. also start saying it, then that's now that word. Well, There's really no, no, there is no required, like, you don't get a, have to get a badge or go to the DMV for it. Well, I would venture into guessing that people who criticize these new words and say, is that just made up, are saying, like, is that made up, comma, for ridiculous reasons by a ridiculous person. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, that is that is still how um, it's still, words get made. Yeah, it's still how words happen, though. Neologisms are valid logisms. Um, not trying to yuck Dot com. <laughs> Dot life. Um, yeah, so, so lacacism, I guess, would be like preppers. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, assuming that some, if not all, of preppers are prepping in a not-so-secret desire to actually have these events come to pass. Yeah. So, I'm not going to say that that's 100% of preppers, but uh, I'm, I'm going to say it's more than 50%, in, in, by my estimation, is um, some kind of actual desire to see the dangerous disasters that would lead to um, their 
having to shit in buckets in a bunker for six years come yeah, to pass. Which, you know, I'm going to have to point this towards Gavin's narrative. Um, okay. The post-apocalypse never happened, and I didn't necessarily think it would. And I'm so glad that I prepared in a way similar to any Shadowrun player would prepare for. <laughs> uh, go, go on? I gotta buy all this computer stuff and learn how to use it. And um, ride this dystopian wave all the way to the new yen payout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, on on some extent, to some extent, there certainly is for the time being a binary between buying lots of electronics and um, and extreme high calorie like future MREs that come in. Like orange, orange buckets that are in stacks in your basement, right? Yeah. Like you either probably need one or the other. You probably don't need both. You probably don't True. need like a Toshiba 9000 cyber deck. Yeah. Um, with um, neutral milk hotel cooling systems or something. Villainous vocabulary. Lacticism, great word. Okay, now that we have escaped... Villainous vocabulary. Gavin, how are we going to drift on a sailboat of imagination? Oh, well, I'll give this what it deserves. Um, <laughs> imagine, if you will, that you live in Los Angeles, the city. Oh, no. Trying, trying, um, trying. So you hear on the radio that there is an incoming storm from the coast. This is uh, a rare thing for Los Angeles, I think. This type of weather phenomenon yeah. imitates a hurricane. Um, as this well, is, this is scary and exciting, and the implications of what this topic might be. Go yeah, ahead. as well as um, a, a school of sharks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yes. Go on. Go ahead. So, um, while you're at a dive bar, it's Sharknado. It's Sharknado. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's a shark tornado. It's Sharknado. I wanted okay. to get your uh, candid response to this movie because I wasn't around for it. Um, uh huh. Just about why it was made, how it was made, and how it is garbage. Are you kidding? Sharks in the swing pool is impossible. Ah! Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it was made with trash, by trash, and for trash. Uh, <laughs> was, um, hashtag eat trash, beat trash. Hmm. Asylum films for most of its existence is an incredibly cynical venture that tries to kind of make low, sell high. Yeah. And uh, and thus, they, they sometimes have success with these weird pay-you-nothing, make-you-eat-baloney, sell-you-a-tornado-full-of-sharks uh, a um, system that they have, but... Um, I have lots of problems with it. Like I have <laughs> as a, as a as a hmm, a semi connoisseur of plenty of B movies. You know, I love me a blood sucking pharaohs of Pittsburgh 
or a um, you know I I love a Bubba I'll throw him a movie a S- S- Bubba Hotep Sergeant Kabuki Man like yeah. I I'm down I'm down in the trenches with Joe Bob Briggs and and his mutant pals. However, I am I draw a line around studios like Asylum, which are. <sighs> I we're probably going to have to get into it more later. Yeah, we're going to have to get into it more later. Essentially, I'll go over the movie first. There's an attitude toward intentionally making something bad that is inherently kind of corrupting. But I want to hear more about this tornado made of sharks. (laughs) That's another point I was going to get into. It this seems to be like the first of um, the giant wave of these things that happened. But anyway, how the movie is presented to you and um, how it's probably delivered to your eyeballs is not through a movie theater at all. It's probably on television or a streaming service. And this was before streaming services completely took over. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. They got their foot in there. Yeah, the origins are still in the DVD era. Yeah. Um, Terry Re- Tara Reed is in it. She's awful. And who is she? It's Nova. She works at the bar. Now, will you let us in? No, I told you not to come. Um, she went to acting school with a bunch of people, and it starts with her as the uh, actress in it. Like, you think that she's going to be the main character. Immediately, you realize she is not. <laughs> okay. And who is she? It starts with some kind of illegal shark harvest um, <laughs> with two criminals on a boat uh, discussing the particulars of, I guess, gourmet uh, Japanese illegal shark soup something. It doesn't get into it, but it, it certainly... Uh, suggests that there's an illegal yakuza type organization uh-huh. that that wants a uh, Spanish yacht to harvest all of these sharks. Uh, the deal goes wrong, which could have been a story in itself, but they throw that away and eat everybody with sharks. Uh, after after a giant tidal wave comes through, it's obvious that there's some kind of hurricane or tsunami. It doesn't explain anything. Uh, it blows through and ends on some type of uh, fade to red, which is a new kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure fade. To, I'm sure fade to reds have been used, but yeah, you don't see yeah. it. You don't see it very much. You can fade to whatever you want, but it's just very ostentatious. <laughs> well, then it goes to a bar where you're introduced to John Hurd, and who's obviously going to be the last girl, and they're arguing about something inconsequential. And then it cuts to a, a bunch of surfers on the beach. Uh, they're eaten by sharks without a tornado or hurricane or anything. It, it just doesn't make any sense the way the, the, the pattern goes uh-huh. while it's trying to set up this sharknado. Um, it kind of depicts a bunch of shark attacks and weather phenomenon mm. in ways that aren't related. <laughs> The way that they bring it together later is impossible to comprehend. Um, the last girl, 
has some type of plot device with the guy from 90210. Yeah, they're, they, they have a... Um, hmm. The one thing that they have in common with like genuinely bad, bad movies that are made with like heart is that they, um, they frequently fail to capture your attention. Yeah. Because, because they, they, there's the spine of the story is broken where you're like, okay, well, here's just another scene, which does not logically follow from the previous scene in a way that uh, implies some kind of sense in the writer. Yeah, and that's that's that was my point too. Thank you because I was trying to watch this to talk about the movie and I can't. <laughs> yeah, and and there are instances, okay, like there are you there there are exploitation movies um of various kinds whether it's like exploitation with Cannonball Run style movies or black exploitations in the greater Shaftiverse and those kinds of things where kind of the one of the reasons I'm such a fan of quote unquote bad movies I've realized after years of being a purveyor of whatever quote unquote bad movies are is yeah. the thing about bad movies is that they are very surprising that's actually their their main appeal yeah um, is that because you have someone who's not um, a trained screenwriter in a lot of cases or is just thinking outside the box because they're not beholden to the conventions of the hero's narrative or whatever. Yeah. Like, you have very surprising turns in plot or what seems like a, uh, you know, a nine-act a nine story as opposed to a three-act story or... One hero gets replaced with somebody else who gets replaced by somebody else or, you know, you just it. There are (laughs) there are things that pop up and genuinely confuse you if you are someone who is sometimes bored by being able to track the the series of events that are going to happen in even like high quality Hollywood productions. Yeah. So if somebody just like punches the hero through a window from off screen and like drops in some dynamite into the room and blows everybody up. And then you don't know what the next part of the movie is going to be. That's like, Oh, okay. That was something, right? Yeah. That's the thing. There's a lot of setup in this movie and a lot of characters. There are so many characters that are just thrown away um, right. That I was starting to think that the beginning of that was some type of super setup to something interesting. It is not. No, <laughs> it's the equivalent. It's the equivalent of people that say Donald Trump is doing like five dimensional chess uh. and save, saving us all from pizza Nazis or whatever it is. <laughs> it's like no, it's just a bunch of random crap, like jumping from one rock to another, like with absolutely no overarching strategy, but the like cl- cl- clueless meanderings of a demented maniac. <laughs> like that, it, the script is just somebody going like, okay, and then this is gonna happen. Like why? It's like don't. Don't worry, this movie's not going to cost that much. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah, don't yeah. don't you're overthinking it. So um, and you know there are movies that are cre- created that way that end up being you know incredibly hilarious. What's the example that I want to think of? It's um, Tucker and Dale um, versus Evil. Uh, um, That's a good one. No, yeah, no Tucker and Dale. 
Tucker and Dale versus Evil is not. It's certain. It's kind of a bad movie disguised as a. I'm sorry. It's kind of a good movie disguised as a bad yeah. movie. Well, they introduce but, a lot of characters, but it, it, but it actually has a. It actually has a totally natural story style. Yeah, they're they're reluctant heroes. It, it has more of a Pixar or like Chinese storytelling. Um, arc to it, which is related to luck and slapstick and like random Buster Keaton like style events yeah. making things go really terribly. Well, that's what I mean. In which they introduce a lot of characters and do it right by. Yeah, but yeah. but even in that case, like there, it's it's a lot more. It's still a very traditional story where some of the things you expect, like okay, now something really bad's gonna happen. I'm not sure what's gonna be, but yeah. oh no, that guy's in a wood chipper. <laughs> yeah. You okay? You know what I mean? Like, whereas I've, the example that I was trying to think of is a is a classic from my group that watches quote unquote bad movies. It's called. Uh, it's from nineteen seventy. I want to say like seventy eight. No, I'm sorry, nineteen eighty eight. Actually, it's called Nightmare at Noon. <laughs> it it stars um it stars Bo Hopkins, George Kennedy, and Wings Hauser. And if you look it up, it's just kind of like. Um, Southern white guys on cocaine have to defeat a, the, you know, Leon from Blade Runner, who maybe is a space alien. Oh, you know, <laughs> um, oh and nightmare there's like, noon. And there's a very disorienting fake, like, helicopter, like, model helicopter yes. intercut in with real helicopter battle scene yes. at the end. Speaking of that, that's in Sharknado. <laughs> That, I'm the sure, helicopter bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and and that's a quote unquote bad movie that the surprising aspects of like, wait, why is any of this happening right now? Yeah. Is becomes it becomes a feature rather than a flaw. Because and the way that's the way that that's maintainable is that Nightmare at Noon is genuinely trying to be fun and entertaining. Without like this, without a the, the ton of cynicism of of whatever it is motivating the people at, at Asylum, um, yeah. the Asylum as it's called, not like Asylum Films or Asylum Studios well, or whatever. Nightmare at Noon, I remembered, uh, kind of generated this feeling that a lot of people our age got um, in terms of what would eventually develop into uh, what cyberpunk is. Which is like, is this just a bunch of throwaway garbage, okay. action garbage, uh, involving a bunch of elements that uh -huh. we already know? <laughs> like like um, Leon yeah. from Blade Runner yeah. and everything. Um, it's just a bunch of shotguns and helicopters and weird... Uh, kind of robot jocks, too. Just even though robot jocks had a yeah, well, I mean, you concept, can, but like, uh, I mean, we've we've certainly already looped in content that um, is doing a lot of this. I mean, yeah. because you know, talking about you know Leon, for, can you look his name up while I'm saying this? Because I'm like the actual actor that plays Leon. Um, but for example, um, what I think of is Bri Brian James. Yeah, Brian James is Leon from Blade Runner. T tell me everything I think of you think of when I ask you about your mother. But uh, I'll tell you about my mother. You want to know about um, my mother? Is, where is my mother here? 
Void Kampf. Void Kampf. They know he's a replicant because he doesn't go, wait, is my mother here? Yeah. <laughs> Which well, any reasonable uh, human being would do. Well, I came to respond to that question with Void Kampf. Yeah, yes. We've already covered Split Second, which is a couple of steps farther into that yes. general idea of thinking like, okay, well, you know, all you need to make something that is sci-fi and futuristic and cool as hell yeah. is this laundry list of 25 things. Yes. Right? Is, um, you know, harsh lighting... Uh, a wet, over, or underpopulated city. Some type of cataclysm. Really, really weird costumes, weird guns, robots doing shit they're not supposed to do, yeah, like and a, or aliens. A desert or a cataclysm that has nothing to do with... Um, yeah, some, some yeah. weird fake drugs. Yeah. You know, there there is kind of this boilerplate set of ingredients that you put into, like, 80s bleak future. Yeah. And uh, there's if, if you take that larger category, there's like a million movies in it. But yes. most of them are just not particularly good unless you're like, you know, like chewing on that flavor. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> which I used to as a child. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, there it was right dead. Se- it, it had us right in our, the, its sights. Oh, definitely. As, that's know, that's probably what you mean all the time, like, if it didn't have Uzis in it, then Gavin wasn't interested. You want to die with a man's gun. Not a little CC gun like this. As an interesting um, sidebar to uh, talking about Sharknado and Asylum, yeah. that is, is its creator, have you ever watched uh, Black Summer? Which is on which is on Netflix. Oh, no, I it have is not. A, it, is an, it is an... Um, I guess I would call it an off-brand zombie TV show. Oh, but, that stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. I've seen yeah, it advertised. It, it has. It has. Uh, it has a few seasons. Yeah. It is. I have not looked into exact. Like it is technically created by the by Asylum. Yeah. Um. But keeping that in mind, it is bizarrely competent. The that season one because I I can't remember. Mm. How I can't remember how much there is after season one, but it's actually quite good. Unfortunately, it devolves. I mean, you know, th- I don't love that it devolves into this like weird. There's like, there's weird rapey shit that goes on in the toward the end of season one, but that's actually not without outside of the bounds of what is kind of what American zombie movies include. Yeah. So it's not ostentatiously strange. Well, do you know... Because that's a, that's a convention uh, that's often in American zombie the, filmmaking. There was an experiment with a video game. Oh, no, Gavin brought up a video game. Um, is, it a, is it like a training video game or a therapy video game? No, no, no. It's, a, it's an open-world video game where a bunch of online multiplayer servers are connected or not connected but like a bunch of online multiplayer servers um host these zombie situations in a huge open world where you can do anything that you want as a survivor and um the main thing that happened was that human players robbed and killed other human players and ignored the zombies. 
Yeah. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag we are the monster. Yeah. 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 Just the, the, the dead, undead horse that is constantly flogged by the walking dead and, um, is like, don't you get it? We're the bad guys. <laughs> it's not them. They're at best an allegory for something just, like nihilism. Yeah, you can or... just say something. <laughs> yeah, <they're... laughs> they just want to walk around and eat deer that they tire out. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, the thing is, <laughs> um, humans, or at least particularly within the context of like Americans, who are the people that actually have a zombie fixation, like the because the. The Romero style zombie is totally one of the. It's one of the. It's about as American as jazz. Yeah. Like we and in, we invented it and we're obsessed with it for reasons that are endemic to our own weird mental fixations. Yes. Because the 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 it allows us to be to hyper fixate on the shit that we are neurotic about, which is like the house. The family, the property, yeah, the, the, how many bullets are there? Yeah. Like, fi- fix the window, hide in the basement, you know. Of, yeah, like, all of our ba- stuff. Ba- <laughs> the boundaries of real estate, getting gasoline into the truck. Yeah, not know, only like, all of our stuff, but uh, the loss of all of our stuff and now the utilization and prioritization of our stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It is. It is perfect for a you know, a, a prepper style mind who is, it becomes the, the absolutely universal plug and play crisis. There's a reason that, you know, there's not a million bumper stickers on a million Jeeps all over the country that say like, like vampire destruction squad. (laughs) Hello, Charlie. There's a lot in Morgantown. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, the yeah. point is like, <laughs> the point is that we're not like obsessed with v- vampires or Mothman or Sasquatch as the hilarious de facto monster that all of us are going to have to orient ourselves against in the future, right? Yeah. Like the zombie fills in itself as the perfect punk, the perfect theoretical punching bag for when a crisis really happens. Yeah. Um, we all wish it would be zombies because it gets us, it gives us the opportunity to go through our loadouts and organize our tools and our bullets in the most satisfying way. Yes. Which is, um, I hope everybody realizes I'm saying that is not a good thing. It is, it is a, a dangerous morbidity that. Well, I acknowledged it as a great thing, as I would excel at it uh, so much that that we that we wouldn't even use anything. It wouldn't matter yeah, because I'm also a spiritual and weird person. <laughs> well, it's also why we're a country that has extra MIGs to give to Ukraine, but not any, any fucking health care to give, like, everybody. Um, it's this, like, morbid preoccupation with not just having the largest military in the world. Some kid. He just hooked himself right into the wood chipper. What? Head first right into the wood chipper. From his shoes and his pants, it looked like it might have been one of the college kids. What the hell happened to her? Um, I think this came up because I think Ukraine is actually asking for specific, um, I might be wrong about whether it's MiGs, but basically they're they're acting for old fighters. And so that I might be speaking out of terms terms of exactly what they are. You're going to have to cut all of this out. (laughs) Old fighters means the F-16s and F, F, the Tomcats now that we have the Raptor and blah, blah, blah. 
yeah. any military. So let's let's try let's strategy. try to drag this somewhere in the vicinity of um, Sharknado. Sharknado, which this, I wanted it to go to off the rails because this movie is lackluster. I mean, I could I could take four Viagra now and still not have the ability to get half hard for t- Sharknado. Well, let's it is just then let's fuck the Sixth Street Bridge. Do you know what the Sixth <laughs> Street Bridge is in L.A.? I do, I do. Yes. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Sixth Street. It cuts through um, Koreatown, where I lived for a long time. Yeah, but it, that's a that's a that road. It's one of those roads that goes through lots of towns. Well, this is a, a real ass question I wanted place. to ask you. Yeah, how often is that damn bridge shut down for like movies? Uh, <laughs> um. Well, hmm. How how do I? How do I describe – so I think the one you're talking about is the one that famously goes in and out of downtown. Yes. So it's oh, – it, the thing is it's used for um, like car commercials constantly. Constantly. And, it's in every video b- game. It's because you, can get, the, you yeah. can get the – you can get the downtown horizon yes. while driving across it, which is essential. And it kind of looks cool. And the city probably is very good at shutting it down because it's probably easy to get the permits. You just, you know, grease somebody for $500,000 or something. <laughs> yeah. um, but the, the, the thing about that, the thing about that node uh, is there's a lot of redundant ways to get around that part of town. Like, yeah. The, there is a total shitstorm of getting in and out of downtown where all of these, you know, I'm going to sound like the Californians, where like all most of the nastiest uh, major freeways connect um, your the five and the 101 and the 10 and the blah 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 blah. Yeah. But so there are redundant ways to get around that, and also they tend to shoot it like at night for all these car commercials, or you'll see a Mercedes or a Tesla flying by and they've, they've hosed down the road. So it doesn't look as like dusty and nasty as it actually looks in reality all day. Yeah. Um, you'll notice in, in commercials, how wet everything is in Los Angeles and (laughs) nothing is ever wet in Los Angeles. It's just people spending tons of city, city water to hose down something. (laughs) So it looks good in a fucking commercial in a totally dry, like Las Vegas style environment that has no fucking natural aquifer that also is constantly under uh, like quotas to not use extra water, but don't anyway, fucking assholes. Sorry. (laughs) Robbie wrist is the school Uh bus driver in this scene. Robbie wrist. You Mm -hmm. might know him as Michelangelo from the teenage mutant Ninja turtles or cousin Oliver from the Brady bunch. Um, wow. I did. So is he the guy? Wait, in what way is he Michelangelo from the turtles? He's the voice from. Okay. Oh, that's right. There's so many turtles um, f- from the movie. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The so movie. he's the he's the he's the voice from the original 1980s. Movie. Yeah. Oh, he's cousin Oliver from the real. He's the real little blonde guy with the funny face. Yes. That cousin. Oliver. Yes. Oh, wow. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. So they got okay, Robbie well, Wrist as one of the biggest guys to be in Sharknado, which isn't bad. I mean, I love Robbie Wrist. He looks like a metalhead. He looks like a crazy guy. Yeah, we've really tickled all of these zero boomers that listen to our show. <laughs> yeah, that's our what I was going to say. Great 1970s Brady Bunch references. Well, Jesus Christ. Uh, the Brady Bunch, for <laughs> real, is even before our time. Mm-hmm. But we do know the term Cousin Oliver. 
<laughs> yeah, he's he was kind of one of the first like an annoying walk on characters in a sitcom. Yeah, they're like, oh god, this is a this is a cousin Oliver episode. Yeah, wah, wah. yeah it's just one of those things. Well, after Cousin Oliver defeats a bunch of sharks trying to eat a, a bunch of children on a school bus or something, I'm not sure how it ends, um, but uh, there's a showdown where they get to a hotel and supposedly the hotel's safe or something. Something happens, and I don't know what it is because I stopped paying attention. I couldn't bother to care. After I started paying attention again... I stopped paying attention. Which was weird <laughs> because I made it a point to pay attention. And I can do that. Right. I swear I'm not that crazy. <laughs> but I don't know why yeah. they were at this hotel. But some funny CGI shark shit happens. It's really stupid. And then they need a showdown with a chainsaw. And that's okay. Um, and then there's, <laughs> there's a helicopter scene... And it got my attention again. So the guy from 90210, who I recognize, um, uh -huh. the last girl who I recognize got eaten by a shark, like gulped up whole. And it suggests in a very real stupid way that there's a way to save her because she wasn't chewed up. <laughs> yeah. So the guy, yeah, she, she, yeah the yeah. guy, from, because they're they're true creationists that be, that believe in the literal interpretation of the Bible. Yes. That just like Jonah and the whale, yes. if you know, if she, you didn't have to be masticated she, and like digested in the jowls with. <laughs> yeah. If she if she dances an Irish enough jig, she will be ejaculated out of the fucking the blowhole, <laughs> non-existent blowhole of the shark. <laughs> So there's a shark showdown while they're falling all over the place. If she, if she says Bloody Mary three times, Beetlejuice will show up and exercise Dude, her. I'm trying to tell you that 90210 grabs a chainsaw, jumps into uh -huh. the shark in the same fashion that his daughter or whatever was gobbled, and then hacks his way out of the shark with her, performs CPR while sharks are falling, saves her... And then the storm is over somehow, and I don't care because the uh -huh. the two protagonists saved each other and are now chainsaw safe, and shark guts are everywhere, which gives me yeah. uh, a new put a soundbite in here or something a new rating for Gavin's review. This movie is sixty percent like a role playing game. And now, a short visit from Professor Marmalade to sort this all out. This is Professor Marmalade, coming at you wet and greasy from underneath the gelato place that used to be the good Dairy Queen on High Street in Morgantown, West Virginia. I'm here to tell you that Sharknado the original, according to the Gavin scale of role-playing game Ed Ness, comes in at a hefty 60%. Also, the Sharknado series includes a total of six films with a total of 540 minutes running time, two video games, a comic book, and a real dead tree book for some reason. I've been slapping Chris Rock for years, but he pays me when I do it. Mic drop. Professor Marmalade out. I don't know if those pieces connect for those of us who do not live like a homunculus in the back of your mouth. Exactly. Like how 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 is it like a role playing game based off of those ingredients? Well, okay, you have an elaborate establishing of multiple multiple characters. 
and then you grow okay, off okay. of those characters. I'm not done. Okay. Then you grow off of okay. those characters to create now. more and more NPCs, and then you create a problem that nobody fucking pays attention to. Uh, I see. That's, that has an overarching problem that is the monster... And then right. you go through a bunch of steps that are tedious, annoying, and full of failures that eliminate a bunch of characters, most likely NPCs, and then yeah. uh, wanting to grab the attention back from the players, you set up this elaborate showdown at a hotel for no reason. Why are we at this hotel? It doesn't matter. The helicopter <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. works. Um so one character is swallowed and still alive, and another character has a game mechanic where he needs to save the other character. And can you do that? The role says, yes, you have done it. What about everything else? It doesn't matter. You get the treasure. Yeah. The end. 60% like a role-playing <laughs> game. <laughs> okay, no, no, now I follow you. Yeah. I will say, by explaining that, you do rem you do remind me of, like, and now we're going to walk down the um, the literary theory Hess talks too much about explaining what things mean avenue for a minute. Sure. Of, uh, <laughs> about one of the things that, quote-unquote, bad movies or movies that do not adhere to the hero's journey style narrative and role-playing games have in common, whether it's D&D &D or All Flesh Must Be Eaten or Starhold, the, the alien-based video game that I'm playing with some friends. Yeah. One of the overlapping things that they have is the star is it's an ensemble style of storytelling rather than the one hero with the chainsaw or the gun style story. Well, yeah, yeah. Meaning that the the emphasis is on the group, not just one final girl or or one heroic um, square jawed man. And the America is drifting or being drug in that direction away from our storytelling narrative that has been really, really hammered into us of the one great hero. And I'm not, I, I think it's actually a good thing that we are transitioning toward thinking about solving problems in an ensemble way. And I actually think that's one of the best things that the like D and D five E craze and that that is boosting like role-playing games in general is good for is to not just rely on sitting back and hoping that um, Superman is going to come save us all from the big, bad problems. Yeah. Ta-da! Absolutely, absolutely. I got. I, I kept it into a small chunk there. No, I agree. That um, the way that Sharknado failed though is that you have all of these surviving characters that are obviously like player characters or something that didn't really do anything. They kind of yelled at each yes. other. You just have Chainsaw and um, Last Girl, which is why it's a sixty percent. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean the the asyl asylum movies, most of them the the script is like yeah. a burgeoning virus that is just randomly clutching in random directions trying to find a, a, a character that is a sufficient <laughs> mutation to make it enough money to blossom them into another movie yeah. that could maintain their operation and franchise another like 3 years. Yeah, that is certainly true. So, you know, if you if you dig enough dig enough holes, you might eventually strike gold. So they had success with Sharknado and um and I actually do recommend Black Summer. It is yeah. even as somebody who is 
extremely, extremely mm, jaded about, like, I have really strong druthers about whether something is good zombie content, yeah. and it is pretty, da- it is actually pretty damn good zombie content. I actually right. can't say past season one, because I think I got a bit into season two and checked out, but season one is actually pretty solid. Well, I'll go on your recommendation, because I certainly saw it advertised, and I did, in fact, think, buh, zombie, and ignored it, so... Yeah. So if you're well, doing that, of- listeners at home, uh, has says watch it, watch it anyway. But don't get don't get confused by me um, looping in like interesting ideas to the general bad movie phenomenon that no, I'm no, anyway no, no, endorsing no. anything else by these miserable um, cynical bastards. No, no, no. Because like I, I mean, if you if you want to watch quote unquote bad movies, watch the fucking Toxic Avenger yeah. or something else from. Or watch, watch you know, something else from Man. Troma, which, uh, you know, there is certainly a, there's a tongue-in-cheek layer that is not at all cynical, really. You know, there's there's irony and cynicism and extreme darkness yeah. in... But it's not yet pointed at you, the viewer. Yeah, I feel as if there's a... I, that, maybe that's actually really what yeah. it is, is. There is a certain antagonism against the audience from... Stuff like Sharknado, I think, I don't feel like they are in good faith coming to take me on a ride. Um, I I feel instead as if they feel as if they're doing something to me, and if they're lucky, they will profit off of it. And if anybody wants to come on and disagree with me, um, I'm curious to hear ContraPoints, but... I have, I have, um, I don't know. I have some knowledge about this. I think they're, I think they're assholes. <laughs> um, you know, they don't pay. They, what well, they do, they do a trick where I they, agree. they only use like first time directors and they pay them shit yeah. because they know that if you never directed anything before, you'll do it for nothing. Well, that's kind of the meat of the thing. My name is Douglas Rassensberger, and I'm the CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded naval sword, that's what. Here at Douglas's Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a colors for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a colors for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a colors for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle-quality 27-inch half-guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron-forged cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters 
and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. So before I before I forget this thought on, on coming back is we really have to establish in what way Sharknado technically counts as a monster. Yeah. Because the thing is, on an intuitive level, I do agree that it is. Yes. And then I go, yeah, but we've kind of established that we know a disaster is not a monster. Yeah. Okay. But I would also say that I don't think anybody would argue that Jaws is not a monster movie, even though Jaws is a total, totally natural phenomenon, right? Um, and it's the biggest shark that they have seen. Well, would be my argument uh, towards it being a well, monster. I there's there is some there is some more subtle nebulous piece of mm, the monster phenomenon that we have not ex- that we have not pinned down some kind of like jelly globule that is hard to it's, hard to grasp it it's hints at like divine intelligence or just intelligence <laughs> well r- right i mean something about there is a certain kind of implied malevolence that Jaws has, even in the first movie before you bring in the Mishigasa, that it's like <laughs> intentionally hunting Michael Caine for some reason yeah. later on. Yeah. Um, I, I think you don't even need that. I mean, even in the original Jaws movie, I think there is something... There is something to a phenomenon being the main danger in a certain context that that is central to something being monstrous that is that's, uh, stands separate away from it being supernatural or extra human yeah. there's something else that that is not just that like jaws is very big and very scary and very well mean. there's been a, a you know, whole it, an entire century of mankind in america dominating its surroundings and being in control of everything including nature like if like right. that's why people complain about the weather 300 years ago you would starve and die Whereas now you yeah. say that guy's wearing shorts. That's fucking funny. And <laughs> right, I mean, at, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like at the at the root of storytelling. You know, you have to you you assess like what is my conflict. Yeah, and we we know that we can't say that any any conflict of man versus nature or man versus man or man versus food counts as a monster. We yeah, know, yeah, yeah. We know that our we know that our doors are not that wide open. So we're we're just trying to define exactly how cracked the barn door is if it does include Sharknado and Jaws, well, in s- but does does not include um you know a fucking earthquake or a sinkhole. It's because they target the main characters specifically. Well, yeah, it's it's it has to it has something to do I mean, with yes, narratively the, it doesn't. The, it's targeting everybody, but through the story, it seems to be giving these main characters new challenges and specific challenges. And um, oh, I see you have a scar on your leg from a shark attack. I sure do. I hope I don't run any any into any specific type of shark. Oh, the Sharknado sent me that specific type of shark. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, there has to be something, there has to be something, some layer on top of just the fact that Brody is, um, the worst thing that could happen to Brody is that his his family would be endangered by a shark. Yeah. It, is, it, it, the, I, it has to be something in addition to that, that it's not just that the story funnels toward a specific danger that has kind of been put on a pedestal like like a like a, a vampire statue or the mothman standing in the middle of uh, in the middle of the well, street Well that's where you got it the, uh, right there I think makes it a monster as Mel Brooks would say merchandising <laughs> Yeah I, I mean there's that is a kind of like silly capitalist way to look at it, but oh, excuse I think that, me, I was quoting Mel Brooks, no, no, no. one of the best uh, Yodas no, ever. No, 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 no. But I, I think that that silly way of putting it <laughs> does, it does kind of like shellac onto the right part of the image. It, 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 there's kind of a um, the merchandise the merchandising act aspect is kind of can be used as a divining rod to find the hidden pool of water and you're like okay the the water is actually what what are we all what are we all worried about but but the thing is you can be worried about an avalanche or a tsunami or a hurricane so there's got to be there's got to be something some other secret ingredient there that i just cannot grasp you know it, it a monster can't be everything, and I'm sure that there are already well, dear readers at home that think that we have a, a far too wide a stance standing at the um, the urinal in the public restroom of deciding what is and is not a monster. I have a suggestion, uh, which was at the end of my notes, that may or may not count, Hess, but the monster may okay. be movies turning into absolute garbage. <laughs> Um, okay. I'm not sure if I make the, I don't know if I draw the line between those two thoughts. <laughs> how can you, how can you draw the line between those two well, thoughts? Cause I'm not a sure band named it. Quint does the soundtrack to this entire movie and it's unlikely we could be able to uh, uh, sample them or anything because Sharknado is definitely somebody's cash cow still. And yeah, they're okay, hanging sure. on to that. And all of its sequels for dear life. And I would suppose to break the fifth wall by saying that the monster is the greed over monster movies. <laughs> I think you've gotten excessively meta, even in comparison to what I would say there. Yeah. I, cause I, I you've, because I, I mean, I think we're, I think we're trying to, I don't know. I, I think we're trying to reinvent a horse when we should just be trying to see how it tastes. Like I, I mean, if we establish that sharks can be the monster, yes, and the sh and the Sharknado can be the monster, because of all of the tr trash I will speak about Sharknado, I'm not saying it's not a monster movie. I I, I think that I I think that it is. I I'm just there is there is a line in the equation of all of the math required to figure that equation out that is not there that's hidden from me you know to get to get at the final result like i know the what the result is 
both Jaws and Sharknado are monster movies, but there's like a minus or a division or a subtraction or something in the parentheses that I, I can't find in the math yet. Heroic actions by the protagonists? Yeah, yeah, maybe. But but here's the thing is, given that, you would say that like, you could, you can't say, the old man in the sea or Jeremiah Johnson can't be monster movies. Yeah. Because uh, those, those, the old man and Jeremiah Johnson are battling against nature and nature is not, um, is not the monster. You know, 127 hours is not a monster movie. There has to be like an encapsulated dangerous entity that represents the maliciousness or the indifference of nature itself. Like, um, nature becomes encapsulated in something monstrous that from the perspective of the hero or heroes it is monstrous by its by what it wants within the context of the story I mean maybe I maybe that is the definition there yeah I mean or some some shrunk <laughs> shrinky dink reverse shrinky dink version of that you take that and actually make it sound good the monster would be and here's me trying to appeal specifically to James Rolfe would it be where it goes in the uh, movie checkout place? What do you call those? They don't exist anymore. Video store? Video store. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the, the, the movie library? Yeah, the VHS library. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> where do I get this copy of Spider-Man featuring Captain America the cartoon from 1983. <laughs> the VHS library. Would it be, though, the classifications and just, like, laziness of managers throwing it into the same lot as ghoulies? I keep saying ghoulies. No, I, you're you're kind of backing away from the responsibility being ours and placing it on disinterested. I sure parts. am. Uh, 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 because I mean, I it, it in a way we do have a there is a need, there is a responsibility on us for the for the audience to figure out like why is this in other than it just feels that way. And I think that's I think that's what it, I think what it is is what I kind of was getting some there's some clever version of what I said is that <laughs> that nature can be the villain if it is encapsulated in a you know a monster quote unquote which is an something an entity that has agency within the space of the hero's like journey that like Brody is stuck in his town in the sea in the boat for reasons that are beyond his control and therefore jaws becomes a monster even though in a way it's just a um ambassador for like poseidon and the oceans or whatever the fuck you want to say it is you know what yeah, i mean yeah they like, they jaws made so many they made so many personal stories about people in this movie against sharks that it's ridiculous yeah and you know with it in and there's a a deep cleavage, so to speak, between, like, not that there aren't 75 of them, between Jaws and, Jaws and Sharknado is, you know, Jaws really seems to be frightening and menacing yeah. in Jaws because it's a good movie with drama and tension, whereas the sharks in Sharknado are 
you know, the, the, the bastard children of like the critters, you know what I mean? They have all of, they have all of the, the, the danger of, you know, I don't know, like a, a sweat bee on your porch during a a, a lovely June day, (laughs) you know, they are absolutely in no way frightening to the audience, you know, because you don't give a shit about the characters that they're chomping and they, they have no like verisimilitude. They do not seem to be real in the slightest. I don't know. It's like, um, it's, 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 it's kabuki. There's absolutely no tension at all. Well, that's where my new review comes in. If you were involved okay. directly with this story, then it would be a uh, 60% positive. Okay. The same, couldn't coincidentally the same amount that it is a role playing. Yes. Okay. Uh, total and complete coincidence. All right. No, that's directly well, the rating. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm fucking with you. Quit it. Um, okay. Oh, shit. Well, what, is there anything that w- else we should say about Shark? Yeah, John Hurd I... was in the movie for some reason. <laughs> it um, must have been one of the... John Hurd? John Hurd was in um, uh, Fear and Loathing and Leaving Himself... No, what do you call that fucking movie? Home oh, Alone. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the, yeah, no, he's, um, <laughs> he's the, um, I don't get it. I don't get yeah. it with Tom Hanks in Big. Yeah. Yeah. He, he plays kind of, um, douchebags in Chicago trench coats for some yeah, reason. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah, yeah. That's a good yeah. summary of John Hurd. I mean, mathematically, that's about 80% of his yep. roles. He's a good actor, though. Yeah. He is a good actor, and I don't know where he disappeared from this movie, but he's not in the showdown, and I watched all of it. He was married to Margot Kidder? He, he must be, was. He must be. Yeah. Interesting. You gotta get Margot Kidder, you gotta understand a certain amount of things about, you know, people. <laughs> yeah, it's nobody's gonna... We've if if you think people don't want to talk about Superman three, they definitely don't want to. They definitely don't want to talk about Margot Kidder. Well, all right. Um. <laughs> don't tell me. He sends a check every week to his sweet gray haired old mother. Actually, she's silver haired. Because we cannot do another. I mean, we can't do another hour on Margot Kidder. The, I cannot. I, we don't have the time. We, there's no time. We'll have to. We'll put Margot Kidder in the drawer for another. I know how to be in a relationship. Is all that I am saying. <laughs> yep, just like Margot Kidder, a totally <laughs> sane person who makes good decisions. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' van art? All right, well, um, we get to the point in the show where we, where we have to ask, is it, um, is it bitchin' van I've art? already looked I mean, up th- if there was a promotional Sharknado van, and I don't think there is, but there's a lot of promotional Sharknado shit. I... Well, whether or not there is a van, um, geez, I mean, it certainly has visually the potential to be bitchin'. That's kind of really the whole premise is like, hey, look at that. That's hilarious, right? I know. I just hate Sharknado Um, so much. I don't know. It is. I'm going to say. I think it is. You think it. I'm going to say. It's a shark. 
coming out of a tornado eating something. I if you airbrush I'm that very reluctant. Yeah, I don't I yeah, I mean the thing is whether something is bitchin' van art is a very odd hurdle to have to jump. It isn't it is not I, I've never claimed that it is like a, the rubric for organizing one's life. This is why I picked uh, it this just this is why it, I picked sure. It is just a random thing. So I mean kind of it is bitch and van art it is. because bitch and van art is is in a way um reductive and stupid. So Sharknado I guess is we'll bitch say, and van art. I guess d- despite that it is um two balls down from the both of us as a film, it is Probably bitch and van art. So okay, <laughs> it is. All right, weird. Go I know. All right, I so. know. Isn't that weird? Oh right. Let's um scratch. <laughs> what? I just like that Sharknado is in fact bitch and van art. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's. It's not getting the Pulitzer Prize. I know that's it's why a, that's why is, bitch and van art is some type of uh, weird esoteric puzzle at the end that doesn't go with the theme. It goes with uh, <laughs> gotta change it up. Yeah. Okay. Um, and after we do bitch and van describing, art, I'm so dis- I'm so yeah. I know. I'm so disoriented now where I can't find. I cannot find. It's as if you were in a tornado of sharks. That would legitimately be disorienting. The segment on the show where we describe all the fucking goblins. This is going back. I just dropped it in. Holy crap. This is going back to um, one of our previous goblin topics. Yeah. I. (laughs) He used to look like this a lot. Who are we looking at here? Uh. (laughs) It's not. Is it not obvious who we're looking at? No. Because to me, it's it's obvious. But I also googled it to find it's him. It's not obvious. Um, this is a. This is early. Who? It can't be Iggy Pop. It is. Yeah. It's, it's Iggy early Pop. Iggy Pop. It's it's uh, early Iggy Pop in the Stooges um, in the seventies era. Of course um, it is. He's kind of. He's kind of. When he is Iggy, because he uh, later in life determined that when he has to be like. I forget what his real name is, Jeff or Steve. Um, He has to be like Steve when he's uh, not on stage because he realized that being Iggy in the rest of his life was what was killing him. Yeah. Um, And you can definitely tell when he is Iggy that he's kind of possessed by some kind of kabuki demon that is twisting his face into just a, a, a misery of kind of um, Japanese or Far East Asian mon- monstrous faces. Sure. And and how would you describe this monstrous face that he's putting on here? Well, I know this face. I know this face all too well, and I don't want to get too far into it because it'll sound like I'm promoting my old band, which there is no stuff for. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, you, it's t- totally fine to promote a band that doesn't exist. It's really it doesn't. It did. Um, well, I well, used to do this in... It doesn't exist in a way that you can profit in from. In Tony Danzig, where I was the robot right. Tony Danzig. Um, uh-huh. I would put on a suit of beer armor and rip off the armor and show everybody that I was, in fact, human. And this is the <laughs> face that I would make. And nobody got it because we played. We played at one, two, three. We played at two dive bars, 
where there were like a, an ultimate of like three or four people watching us for the show, and the rest, right. everybody else was there to drink. And so this mm-hmm. is the face I would make to plead to my government overlords to let Tony Danzig live so that I could keep singing for the people. Well, um, at least you got specific enough. Before I forget, Iggy Pop's real name is James Newell Osterberg Jr., if you can believe that shit. Yeah. Um, James. He has to be James when he's not um, carving his musculature into a uh, well, slim If you put any punk rocker in any type of weird juxtaposition between acting and singing on the stage, I'm going to have a really weird response to it. And you know that. <laughs> and you know that. Well, yeah, <laughs> he, look, he looks... He almost reminds me of... Um, What's his name as the MC from the original Cabaret movie? Yeah. Um, why can I not remember his name? Joel Gray. Joel Gray. Yeah, Joel Gray. He looks very much like Joel Gray's kind of like surprised um, MC look when he's like tittering or pretending to be scared. Yeah, you know who does by... this? Uh, the guy from Prick. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, there literally no human beings are going to get that reference. So, well, the um, guy from Prick, the guy from, uh, oh, holy shit. All kinds of punk industrial people do this fucking look. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, a cross between the s- scream from the painting. Yeah. Scream, the scream, uh, and like... If you have, or if you've just been stabbed, like Julius this Caesar is where it is. Back by you, all of your senator buddies. You look at either a stage light or somebody in the crowd, or your guitarist or something. You focus on that and you bring what you have in the chorus of the song. That's usually some type of tragedy, some type of. Uh, uh, wow. Or conflict or whatever. You think of that and you put on this pose, this face that can express to only you before you turn to the audience. He's about to turn to the audience and tell everybody either he's a passenger or something. Uh, yeah, there. Yeah, there. There's a kind of like quivering desperation and sadness and fear. Yeah, like it's a, it is a, it is a real theatrical mask kind of. Well, look. it's a, it's it's an ultimate feeling and it's a charge that you get before specifically since he's inside of a fucking chair. It's probably uh, at a yeah. at the end of a breakdown. We haven't mentioned that he's 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 managed to trap his whole torso inside of a well. That stage probably chair. means he's at the end of a breakdown and he's about to uh, launch the fucking thunderbolt into the audience about how he <laughs> is either explaining his story or he his character is ultimate, and that's what I used to do. I mean, that's what everybody used to sing like this used to do. Alright, so today Iggy Pop has been our Goblin in Chief. Goblin in Chief, definitely. Uh, Okay, let's uh, shimmy our clapping asses to the end of the show. (laughs) 
And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. If you can believe it, we escaped Sharknado alive. <laughs> Until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. And if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform that you heard, of, heard us on... That really does help. I am doing a whole bunch of stuff on my YouTube channel and Twitch channel. That's Gavin Longshanks at Twitch, Gavin Longshanks at YouTube. Check it out if you want. Do it. Share an episode on your favorite social media and hit our Instagram up at OopsAllMonsters for the images that go along with our describing segment and others. Comment on the Instagram with the monsters that you want to see. Um, send us suggestions about monsters. Send us role-playing game stories. Send us anything at oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. We would really like to interface. Yeah, I, I have gotten... Um, I've gotten role-playing stories. I would like to get enough of them Ooh. to... Turn, turn them into a segment. Yeah, so, uh, send me if those. You've, if you've if you've got if you've got weird role playing stories that have happened, uh, unlikely, hilarious D and D, whatever. We don't care whether they're D and D. Yeah, but if if they're relatable and funny and worth telling a story about, get them at oopsallmonsters@gmail.com. And if you would like to toss a coin into the potion fund, hit us hit us up with a one shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Or if you're feeling really froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song. Her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Gavin. And we have been... Oops. Busting all out of a shark. All shark. Because this is our life now. This is our life now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good with me. Uh, yep, 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 yep. I hope, I hope that my aggressive negativity throughout this topic does not um, dissuade our readers from continuing on with the show. I'm not a stripper.